0: Welcome to Opposable Thumbs, a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Breathing is our challenge this episode, thanks to our previous guest, Jen Hoffer, for that mm-hmm. challenge. Thanks, Jen. And Kay Dart is our guest this episode. Greetings, Kay. Hello. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronouns. I'm a designer by day and an artist by night. I make music and objects using the name Shimmering Trash Piles.
1: And I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, educator, DIY evangelist, CAD CAM enthusiast, noted tall person, Midwestern Viking, and I'm a he his kind of guy.
2: And I'm a chaotic, neutral sculptor, engineer, tiefling <laughs> with she/her pronouns. Sometimes people refer to me as that bitch. Uh, <laughs> 3D fabrication manager for the Department of Contemporary Art and Theater at the Shepherd University. So I uh, teach students the rules of fabrication so the good ones can break them.
1: That's awesome. There you go. Yeah. That, yeah. I feel like, yeah, that is a constant thing that I'm always pushing up against with my dear friends in our fabrication facility because I feel like almost all artwork comes through the misuse of the tools. Would you agree?
2: <laughs> oh, yes and no. I think it's more about the misuse of the design principles. Maybe. Uh, there you go. I mean, if you misuse a tool, you can really do some damage. Sure. In between the concept and the craft is where the interesting chaos happens.
1: Yeah, Rob, is that, I mean, you are a proud table saw owner. Um, and we've <laughs> o- we've often talked about, I know I'm so jealous, but we, we've often talked about the different, like which tools, you know, you should misuse and which ones you shouldn't use. Have you come up with any uh, creative table saw practices yet, or are you still real buttoned down on the table I'm saw? I'm super buttoned down on the table saw. Yeah. Have you tripped your brake for example yet? I
0: I have. Yeah. <laughs> I've mm. tripped my brake. Yeah. Yeah. It's a saw
2: stop. Yeah.
0: Only once. It's um it's not the cheapest mistake to make. It's about 80 bucks I think to get the new uh brake. But um
1: cuz it trashes the blade too, right?
0: I ironically it it didn't for me and and here's why. I was going to cut aluminum. I put aluminum blade on the saw and then I oh. just <laughs> totally forgot to turn the safety switch off. Right. So you know, I was holding the aluminum and as soon as I pushed it through the blade, the conductivity of my skin went through the aluminum into the blade and tripped the brake. But the the block
1: it is aluminum is aluminum.
0: Yeah. So it cut just straight into the block. It did definitely stop the blade, but it didn't damage the teeth. So I got lucky right. in it. And it oh, was fine. That's, funny. that's pretty cool. I did a couple of test cuts afterwards just to make sure everything was kosher with the blade, and it seemed yeah. fine. So, but so far the blade's been fine. So, I, I I escaped with just that.
2: I forget the name of the show, but it was one of those uh, sort of like junkyard wars shows where they had to essentially make a cannon to shoot two by fours. Oh, yeah. nice! And then they used, right. they just were like, "Let's just use this table saw, oh. <laughs> in reverse." Wow. And so, yeah, they would just, you know, like, or maybe it was a MacGyver. I don't remember, but it was just kind of absurd. So I guess I guess it all depends on what your goal is. <laughs> yeah,
0: if you could mount like a wheelbarrow wheel onto the blade where the blade goes and just, yeah, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah. And just fling two by fours, you know, if you, as long as you're pinching it between two wheels, it's going to go.
1: So. Yeah, K-K, uh Rob used to have a softball pitching machine as part of one of these artworks he did that he was firing uh, tall boy beers out of. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh
0: man. Yeah, it took on a second life, which was interesting. Do you remember there was a time when a heroic journalist threw a shoe at George W. Bush? He
2: threw both shoes.
0: Like many art projects that are moderately expensive, they sort of usually get disassembled and turned into something else. <laughs> um Damn and this one got got disassembled um my friend uh Paulo Pettuccini made a flash game. It was just like a an animated ducking George W. Bush, and you could shoot right. shoes through the with a pitching right. machine at his
1: nice. face. Oh man! <laughs> yeah. And it's it's um existence as a flash game definitely um dates the project. I mean, in addition to the yes. you know, George W. Yeah. Bush here, that's great. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Have you got um, some nearby equipment that's uh, moving a stepper motor or something like that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I've got a 3D printer, an SLA printer. Right behind me, so that is me.
0: Yeah, cool. It's almost the perfect K uh, background sound for you. Seriously, <laughs> so <yeah.
2: laughs>
0: But this begs the question: Then, K, what's what's happening on the three D printer?
1: Oh yeah,
2: let's hear what's happening. Well, I was hoping this was what I was hoping to have done uh, for today's show, but last night my the three D printer decided to randomly. Give me an error that was just just kind of stopped it before, after I left.
1: That 3D printing life, man.
2: I know, I know. And it's not like connected to the internet or anything, so I can't uh, observe it or get any updates. So it's printing right now. Yeah. But you'll see, you'll see what's going on.
0: I have a 3D printing um, question or discussion possibly we could have, if. If that's interesting to y'all. Sure. So I have a 3D printer, and I I had a very hard time with it because I didn't know what I was doing, firstly. And secondly, I think it's of the era where it's just less sort of plug-and-play or less kind of worked out than um, maybe the ones that are done today. But I was curious, Kay and Taylor, you you probably have worked with certainly more 3D printers and also newer ones and different types and stuff. Um, Is it getting better and easier to use or is it still
2: (laughs) yeah i totally think it's getting easier Uh Uh, uh some some teachers some middle school teachers asked me to come in and look at their new 3d printer to help them get set up and it is so easy to just plug and go um you know there's just certain issues are kind of all taken care of for those people who are really looking for those ready to go 3d printers
0: yeah Uh, yeah yeah
2: but, and, and specifically, uh, filaments, some of these 3D printers have proprietary filament, just wow. so all the settings are dialed in, too, for those things. Yeah. So it really depends on, like, how much you want to get involved with it. Right, right, yep. And how much you have to spend, too.
1: Yeah. Well, what's the problem you're yeah.
0: having? I've had a few different problems. Um, I'll keep them short just so people don't have to listen to 10 minutes of me talking about my 3D printer realms. But, um,
1: uh, Rob, I think you're, you're, <laughs> I'm you're completely wrong about <laughs> our audience here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <You're laughs> if anyone's still comments, here, they're totally yeah. into 10 minutes of 3D yeah. printer problems. So. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> my biggest problem was a strange one in that it wasn't, you know, people often talk about like bed adhesion, right? Where yep. the thing isn't mm-hmm. sticking correctly. I've actually, I have a heated bed and so i think that solves a lot of those problems um so i've always had good luck with that i definitely had some issues with the hot end like the Mm -hmm. and for folks who aren't familiar with 3d printing it's essentially very precise hot gluing right (laughs) like a very small scale so if you took like a hot glue gun shrunk it way down and then like use a robot to squirt the thing down that feels to that that to me has always been like how i think about 3d printing Um, the hot end overheated and it definitely like almost caught everything on fire um like it it like raced like the temperature just raced like you know typically it would go into like kind of thermal shutdown and for some reason it went into thermal shutdown but the hot end didn't turn off and so i replaced nearly everything you know, the board, the cables, et cetera, et cetera. I kept thinking it was a loose cable. And actually, it was one of those things where, like, I made the mistake of replacing lots of things at once, and it fixed the problem. So I have no idea what the problem actually was.
1: <laughs>
2: yep.
0: But, um, but the biggest problem I've had is, you know, when you're making a 3D print, and for some reason, I think what happens is it starts to curl or something. Mm-hmm. and oh, like on the edges? Yeah, and the hot end mm-hmm. starts clipping the edge because yeah. it's you know the it, edge has curled and i think that must be something maybe with my like layer height or something like that but that to me has been my biggest problem i run into uh, now that my text things are all sort
1: of out okay yeah, i've got an answer but i'm curious to hear yours because you are um managing 3d uh, fabrication facilities as part of your gig right
2: yeah so it's warping and you know i think that really has to do with the temperature of of the hot oh. ends or different, different things. Yeah. Uh, there's this website I go to, um, Simplify3D.com. Oh, cool. okay. They've got like pictures, like a kind of a database of like, what goes wrong with your 3D prints? Oh, cool. So I gen- uh-huh. Generally,
1: <laughs> sounds good.
2: I think I'll know the issue, but then I'll always go to something like that to kind of confirm it.
1: Rob, with your printer, do you, you have a chamber with enclosed walls or is it just open to the air? It's just open to the air. yeah. So that might be one of them, you know, just trying to close off the chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, have you ever made a print where you just put disks, kind of like coins, at the outer corners where the uh, print oh. hits the bed? No. I think some software, Makerware or MakerBot Print or whatever they call it as of the last 15 minutes, um, mm-hmm. I think some software may actually do this as an option now where you can just check a box and it'll do it. But if you need to do it by hand, if you envision printing a cube, for example, and mm-hmm. you're noticing that the outer corners kind of curl up a little bit, if you go into the original 3D model, the geometry, and then you make a very low oh. cylinder, like a coin, that um is yes. overlapping those corners, it basically gets your raft further out, and so if any curling happens, it'll happen uh, presumably, you know, on the edges of the coin, as opposed to, and then they should just snap right off the print afterwards.
2: Yeah, and it, it just has to do with like the layers cooling too quickly, or or not enough. So mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, okay, I assume as three as D fabrication manager at Shepard, I always think of those people as like the the like an art SWAT team, where like <laughs> it's just one person melting <laughs> warm, down after another. Yeah, and then you have to. Like work through those issues with folks and i was just curious um if that's true or not or if it feels more chill than i've always imagined it being
2: it it depends on how many people are in the lab at a time Ah, okay Uh this was our last week was the last two weeks have been pretty crazy because it's been finals in the week before finals and so everybody there's just Everybody would yeah swarm around me, and would, uh-huh. it was like a zombie <laughs> film. Other than, but but all the zombies <laughs> wanted wanted to use some equipment or you know some process. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Bandsaw. Bandsaw. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. Just just screaming. Right. Just slowly muttering my name.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I was, I was also interested in in your art practice. I just wanted to bookmark that so we make sure we talk about it.
2: It's uh, the last. Six months have been really busy, so I actually really have very little in the works. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm I kind of uh, going to recover a little bit, and uh, really the only thing that I have coming up is uh, Taylor, Stephen Lee, and I are collaborating on a project, oh, and cool. we're still we're in, the, in the beginning phases of kind of... Figuring out what we're doing, but uh that's the only other thing. And then really just uh kind of updating my personal life. It's been uh yeah. busy but positive and transformative here. So
1: Oh that's great. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I like the very technical way you're talking about your personal life. Yes, I'm going to uh upgrade the OS <laughs> in my personal life. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> uh in a way yeah, right. <laughs> it's kind I mean, of yeah. true. <laughs>
1: I've been doing a ton of stuff around the topic of self-care and it's really been blowing my mind. I, I went on a uh, anti-inflammatory diet, which is so, just so boring. Um, but at the same time, like um actually drinking enough water and that kind of stuff. It's so a uh, square, but it's made a huge difference on getting me to the end of the semester. You know,
2: I actually cut out a lot of meat from my diet. It feels pretty good.
1: Yeah. Were, were you like a, Died in the wool carnivore or was that an easy transition?
2: No, it was I think it's just interesting that the accessibility of meat is more prominent than vegetables, especially when you're eating out. Yeah, for sure. Um uh, so for me it was, I guess, taking more time to make things and in be uh more cognizant of my grocery shopping.
1: Well the the iron community diet man let me tell you it's i mean it had been a long time since i was in the poor community with you this summer but i would i would just eat like an entire tub of mayo every day <laughs> that we were at on that farm and i came you back and i lost carbs. weight it was crazy yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean you
2: just work in 24 7 yeah and and the food the amazing thing is like i don't know what it is about sculptors but they really have good recipes
1: I um, I kind of shut the bed when I was trying to cook for 23 people. That was something I hadn't come up against before. And I, I, th- I think I wound up trying to make tacos out of sausage meat where the <laughs> spicing was all wrong.
2: Nice, hey, some chorizo. Yeah, but we got there. <laughs> we made it happen.
1: So, Rob, do you have any questions you wanted to ask Kay about her practice or anything before we jumped in?
2: Kay, I know of
0: your work through Instagram, which is a link Taylor shared with me. And so some of those photos were from, I think, the time that you and Taylor spent at Franconia. And I was just curious about your time there and um, if you ended up making anything there, if you had any explorations that you're interested in pursuing down the road or kind of how that
1: went. Oh, yeah. Talk about the Rotary Project for sure.
2: It was a pretty amazing experience. I was the co-director with uh, Paige Henry, another iron caster. In my personal work at Franconia, I've been working on this process to do, essentially it's a modification of tripetal casting, where you, where you have a, a mold and you spin it at high speeds and you pour metal in it, and it, the spinning of the mold will force that metal to the edge, and so you get a hollow casting. And now, spinning it at those high speeds uh, in Backyard Sculpture Park kind of way is very difficult, so I did the slow approach in essentially more of a slush casting method, in which I have these sort of giant and I wouldn't say giant but about two to three feet diameter spherical molds that I roll around and in the past I was just rolling them by hand so the mold would be a giant empty spherical cavity and then texture on the inside Uh, but then at this past summer I modified a cement mixer to hold the mold so I could get more consistency in the spinning process. And, and I can time it much better and things like that. And, and it worked great. The uh, process came, uh, came together very well. Uh, and I'm just uh, cast some match plates, which a match plate is essentially a pattern that you can take multiple sand molds of very quickly. Uh, And so I'm kind of making the process even more efficient because I just want to crank out these things. I just want to go into full production mode and make these giant cast iron seed pollen forms.
0: Wow. wow.
2: So that's and that's on the Instagram account is uh some of those process photos uh, from the summer.
0: Oh, cool! Yeah, I, and I was curious. Like, um, could you unpack a little bit? Is it spin casting?
1: I think I've also heard it, heard it referred to as roto casting.
2: If I'm not mistaken. Roto casting.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. And how do, how does it work?
2: I have a very easy way of kind of making these blocks of sand that okay. fit together. Imag- imagine like a a dodecahedron, but instead of a flat side, it has a curved side for the interior shape. Okay. Um, and then they all get, all of these forms get bolted together to create this big uh, sort of spherical mold. And it's got about, a, you know, a layer of steel as a jacket and then about an inch and a half to two inches of sand, which is the, the sand molding process we use in iron casting. And I will put this big ball into a cement mixer that I chopped in half, essentially, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, like, prep, like gave it taller legs so it could actually, oh. like, fit this sphere. And there's one, one hole at the top where you can pour the iron in. And so during the iron pour, pour about 70 to 100 pounds of liquid iron into the mold and then turn it on, and then it'll spin like a normal cement mixer. Wow. And I slowly tip it the, the spinning spherical mold upside down so that you get this just an even coating, and that iron uh, solidifies on um, the interior surface. And so it picks up generally most detail. Uh, it, it's very rough at the moment because uh-huh. it's still kind of, I'm still dialing it in but does it it, for for trying to get a casting that's about a two foot sphere uh to be about three sixteenths of an inch thick i think it's pretty good so (laughs) that's
0: really neat when i always think of casting i think of one of the problems i always running run into is how difficult it is often to release the material from inside the mold and it i was wondering does, does iron have that same problem
2: uh well the mold the sand molds are kind of a one and done thing and so we just break the sand into We don't really Got care it. about right. it. Right. But right. but you put your uh pattern or the uh the object you want to cast in iron has to be draftable or you have to make so many parts, you know, it's a piece molding process. Okay. So yeah. You have to really either have a bunch of parts or something draftable or squishy or Something
0: like that. Got it. Got it. Yeah, and and those, like you said, those those dodecahedron shapes. Some of those are in your Instagram, so we'll be sure to link to those. Yeah, can check out. That's cool.
1: Yeah, Rob. I mean, another thing you and uh, the listeners might find interesting that don't already know is with iron. You know, you would associate metal casting with something that's quite hard, and while that can be true, it's also pretty brittle. Iron specifically. So some of the casts that I made in an attempt to make sure there were less bubbles in the finished product I put more vents um, you know like which were effectively little rods leading off the shape that allowed air to void but that also meant that when I was really enthusiastically breaking open the sand I just snapped off a bunch of metal pieces that took part of the um, the Uh result I was looking Uh for with them so in Uh some ways you know yes it's metal casting but it's also delicate in certain ways depending on how you put the system together
0: right 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 yeah that makes sense wow that's cool should we dive into yeah. projects
1: yeah let's do it let's Rob. Do uh, it. who's first Is, are you first this week i'm first this week okay great Yeah, what do you see in there, Kay? Why don't you
2: describe it? I mean, it's, it's a screenshot of yeah. a web page of a, a video, mm-hmm. a Rob Ray video. Yep. Feral art and technology, movement, ear, lung. I, I assume anybody can, uh, well, this is on your website, yep. Robray. Yep. Net. Um So, I kind of want to check this out right now.
1: I know. Well, I'm trying to figure it out because I feel like that the person in the screenshot, I don't think that's Rob. I don't know, Really, yeah. you look mm-hmm. you look ripped in that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good job. Uh, So Rob, looking good, bro. Rob's got like a Mike Magnola kind of welding mask sort of thing on, and is standing in front of these giant air raid siren cones or something, and and pulling on a lever, or maybe the maybe the mask is uh, like plugged in via a tube or a cable to those things. Rob, should we go take a look at that or do you just want us to kind of talk it's about just, what it looks just like? Just a
0: reference. It's just a reference, so yeah.
1: Okay.
2: Okay. We'll come back to it. <clears throat>
1: uh, I love
2: the giant microphone or the speakers. Yeah. I mean, it looks like, uh, what is it, the old what, what, uh, not a megaphone, Sure. but you, what you'd what you see on an old record player. Yeah.
1: yeah. A phonograph yeah. bell or whatever you'd call it. And it, just a side yeah. note,
0: those, those were created by an artist named Alana Mann um, who created this piece called listening as a movement and um so i sort of performed through her piece as an instrument so that's just kind of what you're seeing there
1: cool Yeah,
2: given the theme it looks as though you're you're breathing into this instrument yeah. <laughs> as mm-hmm. part of a music process Yeah, it looks great.
1: and then if <laughs> yeah, i look it looks pretty sweet image number one and uh, now we're it looks like we're into the challenge and um yeah rob it always seems like we uh i guess we've worked together for so long on this project that we stumble upon what our colleague is probably going to do just by talking and so it looks like you've got um you have a pair of new drumsticks and a practice pad so this is a fulfilling um, something that you've been wanting to put time into for a long time potentially <laughs> it's okay what do you see in an image too there
2: somebody's out in the middle of the woods uh by a crick
1: <laughs> i didn't think you had cricks in uh, la yeah you must have gotten out of town again
2: just just seems like uh, drumming away just chilling on a rock It looks very comforting. I kind of want to be here right now.
1: (laughs) This looks like a screenshot from off of the phone, and it's an app called Soundbrenner. And uh, it would appear to be a, um, um, maybe it gives you a click track or something at certain beats per minute, uh, a metronome. uh, Yeah, metronome.
2: Yeah. The next one is a a PDF of Mm -hmm. uh, just uh, musical notes and pretty, with the snare drum, and the voice, I, I honestly don't know exactly what these notes are, but they're pretty much all the same, yeah, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one after the other.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Kay mentioned there's, there's two tracks. There's the snare drum and the voice. Um, the voice, I believe that symbol is just a pause symbol, right? That mm-hmm, rectangular mm-hmm. bar. Yep. Um, however, we also have volumes associated with that pause. Mm-hmm. Um so it starts out very quiet and then crescendos up to uh You're doing great. You're doing great. sort tonight. of doing loud great. breath and then kind of comes back down. Um, I'm reminded of uh, was it a is it Depeche Mode where they have that one breakdown that goes <laughs> Oh wow.
0: That's a really <laughs> it, good question.
1: Yeah. You remember? Is it Depeche yeah, Mode? Yeah, I totally remember. Or, yeah.
0: Um, do you see that <laughs> do you see that tick mark?
1: Exactly. I was, I was curious about that. So is that, um, that's a breath mark. Okay, cool. So, so that's Uh, when we inhale, exhale or something. Yep. Yeah. And it's typically
0: used, um, it's typically used for say you're a woodwind player or something and they, Mm, a breath mark is typically used to let the person know that it's okay to like slightly clip the note because you need to inhale. Um, so I'm sort of employing it as an, in an alternate way i'm bending the rules oh. breaking the rules <laughs> um here and sort of applying it as a like as a, an instrumentation as opposed to a um or an articulation as opposed to something you should do in the background
2: nice so so are there different notes for different uh, i guess uh things that we do normally that we don't really realize like is there a note for like a sniffle yeah <laughs> There is a note, a sniffle note.
0: Okay, you totally landed on what became so fascinating for me. There's this whole um, community of people who create what's called extended notation.
2: Expanded. Notation,
0: which is um, a way to capture uh, through this um, sort of language of composition and scoring and symbology uh, like other things, right? So you could totally have like um, like a a a fart note or so or whatever it is, you know, or like a <laughs> laugh or or um, like bending down, you know, right? If that's gonna mm-hmm. change the instrument in some way.
2: So. Yeah, I totally want to know what what because I mean. Are, there aren't different notes for different instruments, right? Are there? Um, and so it's kind of you kind of have to be universal about it.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah. And there is, um, you know, the the voice certainly throws a lot of things out of whack because it's such a it's such a malleable instrument.
1: Sorry, Rob. I I just want to make sure you guys know that I'm not whispering "I love you" onto the track, but that's my daughter right here. <laughs> I creep you guys out. I mean, you can
2: whisper that. I, I like think that. Here, it's Charlie, a safe space. Charlie,
1: you want to say "I love you." Okay, good job. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Sorry, I totally stopped on your explanation there, rab No, no, keep no. Going. It's
2: okay. I really find this really interesting and exciting because it's like I'm reading a story, but I don't have any details. Yeah, I just have right, one right. part of the story that is that that kind of got to fill in. Like if your breathing picks up, and you know, it's like it's, something's going to happen. You know, like we we're right. going to get to the apex of this story. <laughs>
1: I also really dig the way that um, notation gives something authority, you know, so even Mm -hmm, though you're mm -hmm. doing something that's kind of outside a traditional understanding of music, um, and even if you can't read music, I think if you see something rendered in this way, you just assume that it has to kind of be correct, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because it does feel, I think we're so attached to music composition as being something so extremely formal, you know, and that it's not really just hieroglyphics which it is you know Mm -hmm. um or or like emojis right like it's essentially just uh, an image a graphical mark that's trying to explain what what my intentions are here and so i can walk through a little bit we'll have the pdf you know linked um for people who want to see it but really all this is showing is you see there's four we'll talk through the snare drum really quickly it's just four notes per measure and you can think of a measure as just a classic four four in this case, which is what I have marked here, four four beat. And the RLRL is just telling um the drummer what hand to start on. Um and then you'll see the little tick mark. See at the end of the first line there's a little um greater than symbol over that one mark.
1: Yeah, I was mm-hmm. wondering about that.
0: That's an accent, so that's just telling you hit it harder. Um mm-hmm. And so I thought what would be fun is we could walk through, we could try, and you can clap this out, we could try a little bit of this composition and see how <laughs> how it feels.
1: Yeah. So so wait, <laughs> so the tick mark either means you are starting a breathe in or starting a breathe out, right? That's right. That's right. Okay, got it, got it, got it.
0: Because it's just a breath note. It just means like a breath is going to happen, whichever direction you feel. And an internet lag will be really hilarious and make this sound completely... Oh, continuous. that's right. This
1: is going to be totally messed up. It'll be good. It'll be good. <laughs>
0: I'll do one, two, three, four, and then we'll start in on the claps. How's that? Okay. Got it. And the breathing.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Ready? Let's do it.
1: One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One,
2: two, three, four. One, two, three, four.
0: One, two, three, four. Here comes the accent. I already forgot to breathe.
1: (laughs) Oh. I think that's pretty good.
2: (laughs) I was just getting into it. Uh, I was
1: actually getting kind of lightheaded because I didn't anticipate how long it would take to breathe in and out on that tempo.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to have to investigate breathing, these breathing notes, because that could actually help me learn musical notes a lot better because it's just something so... Intrinsic. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. All right. Well, should we take a look at uh, Kay's, yeah, Kay's work in it. process? <music> uh, so we're looking Whoa. at a rendering, um, knowing uh, Kay's work to the extent that I do. I'm assuming it involves rhino and grasshopper, although I'm not positive. Um, but it's a, a rendering uh, of a sort of organic organ-like form um, that's maybe starting with a collection of spheres that ha- that are sort of veiny or wrinkly. Um, and there's a couple of pipes... Um, the change in diameter as they travel along their length. So kind of two smaller ones facing down and a really giant one facing up. So it's it's sort of organ like, like an alien heart or something like
0: that. Rhino as I is a 3D modeling tool. Is that the right
2: way? Yep. Yeah. yeah, Rhino is a 3D modeling tool, and Grasshopper is well now it comes with Rhino, but right. it was a plug-in you had to add, and it lets you do uh, parametric modeling, and and it's really awesome uh, sort of Open source avenue for three D modeling. A lot hmm. of people make their own components. They yeah. make a lot of a lot of different things that you can bring into the modeling program to help you code. Essentially, different things.
1: Okay, could we make our own component as our project?
2: Yeah, the three D file, the Rhino file, is actually in the folder as well, and I can oh, I can cool. also like upload an STL file. So if people want to print out. Ooh. This themselves, they totally can, nice. <laughs> a, or at least a, a kind of simplified version yeah. at the moment.
0: What I'm seeing here, I think, is a, just a rotated view of the first image. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't. I don't have a sense of scale at all, like how big it is. What it feels like is sort of imagine if it was, you know, a half dozen, five, four, like kind of tennis ball shapes that are kind of pushed together, so that we're seeing kind of. Um, three quarters of the sphere like interconnected with one another. And so there's Mm -hmm. kind of a larger sphere at the top and then two in the middle and then one at the bottom. And what's really interesting is there's, uh, there, there are these um, almost veiny like veins in your arm shapes undulating over the surface of these spheres. And then there's a large, almost like a snork, uh, or like a snorkel tube at the top. And then at the bottom, there's two smaller ones, and I I don't know they're almost conical. The ones on the bottom, so the where they connect to the larger shape is smaller, and it kind of opens up like a funnel at All the right. bottom. But it's um and it's standing on those two uh, almost hoses or ports at the bottom.
1: It looks vaguely like a piece of drug paraphernalia. Uh, you got you want to hit the snork? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, So looking at uh, image number three. I think, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming what we have is an interior view of the same object, although it could be a new thing entirely. Um, Mm -hmm. It's no longer rendered with a color, so it's just the gray um, kind of default texture rendering. But now there appears to be some kind of, um, uh, it's like a geometric flange with holes in it, so this may have to do with... um, how it would actually be produced or how it would hook together with something else. Yeah. Actually.
0: Yeah. It's a really mysterious shape. Yeah. It feels like a corner of something of a box, but then there's yeah. definitely some a more organic A gusset.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, cool. Now we're really getting the reveal here, Rob. Are you looking at five?
0: Oh yes. That's cool.
1: Yeah. So we've got a section of this thing um, where it's been cut, but I assume uh, just for the visualization purposes, although it might be permanent, we'll find out, but we see mm-hmm. that, indeed, the interior of the um, alien uh, dope pipe has some kind of, like, um, uh, geometry on the inside and sort of chambers, you know, heart-like chambers. Um, yeah. So I, I wonder yeah. if this would actually be able to pump uh, fluid or a gas or something. I, have, I, I was just reading about, have, have you all ever seen the... Um, uh Tesla, right, who, of course, is famous for his electrical stuff, he came up with a valve that has no moving parts. Have you seen this thing before?
2: No, that's interesting. It's
1: really cool. It, it popped up, I think, on Reddit or something, I forget. But if you imagine taking a, a sort of cartoony teardrop shape and then having it repeated over and over again as it moves uh, in a linear direction, so all the points are facing one direction, but they're sort of offset and tilted, uh, if you try to push a fluid through it in one direction, it'll wind up looping back on itself and sort of pushing itself back out. Whereas if you come from the opposite direction, it'll speed it along. Um, so it doesn't totally uh, stop yeah. the flow, but it's it's really cool to look
2: at. But if you get a chance, look up Tesla's uh Yeah, there, it's a, there's a Wikipedia article sure. I just found.
1: <laughs> Whoa! It just looks like you know, like standard bald white man dot 3Dm or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like a craftwork. <laughs> very neutral. <clears throat> yeah. So so when you're rendering right, you can get into all this different stuff about reflected light and so on, but when you're kind of in the prototyping stage, I really love how this is just everything's ultra flat and the shadow is super flat. That's just a disembodied head hanging there with this uh sort of like
2: It is a little surreal.
1: Yeah, it's
0: great. I love it.
2: Black eyes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and the eyes are just gouged out. It's like a like a mask the, almost.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's like a super simplified model. Yeah, yeah. It,
0: and then we have this shape in the ma- attached to the mouth. So the top, <laughs> Taylor, you were onto something. Um, the shape we just described is sort of put to the lips of this head.
2: Yeah, the snork the snork component. Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. Reb, Reb, what kind of uh, what kind of future drug do you think you would uh, consume with this object?
0: I don't know, but I want to do it.
1: Like Martian Tears or something.
2: <laughs> yeah. Martian Tears.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, image number, uh, what is it, 11, I'm particularly excited about. Where the, uh, the the neutral face has a little more personality there. It's kind of
2: thoughtful. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> how'd we do?
2: Yeah, when I, when I first thought about the challenge, of course, me being like kind of this engineering brain, and I'm like, I need to know how things work. So I uh, was just looking up how how different animals breathe, how they the the actual uh, anatomy and the mechanism yeah. for air intake. Oh,
1: is this a, is this like a giant alveoli?
2: Yeah, yeah, oh. so the alveoli are just like these these sacs in your lungs in which the air kind of comes into these sacs and it's, it's, it's similar and it's has got all these sort of you know, if, if you look at like, uh, salmon eggs, how they're all kind of like bunched together, kind of looks like that. And there are all these chambers. Right. And they're all interconnected chambers. And I mean, I, I assume that's to like equalize pressure. Um, so that you're, you're putting the same amount of pressure on the, on the veins. Cause there's these mm. veins that flow around these, you know, sacks. And that's how and where the, uh, blood gets oxygenated and so the veins are kind of curving around it and on one, one side the um, blood without oxygen flows down and it connects to these chambers on the outside and just like through even smaller holes and then out the other end where it, it's uh, you know got a, got its oxygen and fish have a somewhat similar but instead of sacks it's just kind of these fins in which oh. the blood vessels kind of flow. You know, I was I was thinking about it, and you know, part of my work is I I like simulating organic forms mm-hmm. and trying to make uh, computer simulations of things. Just you know, breaking it down into what are, what are the fundamental structures of this object. And so, as I was making this, I was like, oh well, you know, uh, part of speculative design is thinking about the future. Uh, like what? What would we need in the future if this mm-hmm. happened? Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about like what if scenarios. Like you know, every every sci fi movie seems to have speculative design as you know a root of their, their props and sets yeah, and yeah. things like that. And so I was like, well, what if you could grow like a respirator? Yeah, totally. And you know, what if it was like made out of plants or something? Um oh, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's just like this whole like that. And I was going for this like green plastic feel, um, like kind of like a really rudimentary medical device, yeah. too, in a way, you know like that that uh sort of medical green that you see when when you said like oh are we what what drug would you take a hit from that, yeah. and then like, in my head, I'm thinking of this dystopian world where you're like, ah, uh, clean yeah water. air itself, yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, like yeah. <clears throat>
1: Could, yeah that's really cool Thanks. yeah really really cool great work should we uh yeah, should we so take a cool. look at our last uh, yeah. project here
2: oh man i see uh what looks like a uh spoil board it has a bunch of holes in it it's been engraved with a uh, place your materials in the corner and always use two uh, clamps. Cut off by some tools. Yeah, clamps. Is it clamps?
0: I was oh, trying to yeah, deduce good. what that word is. Yeah,
2: yeah. We've got a half-inch drill bit, I assume. Yeah, it's yep. a big drill bit. Good eye.
0: Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. So now we have. Looks like Taylor is now drilling. Um. Kay, do you think that's what one inch by one inch, roughly one and a quarter by one and a quarter, like uh piece of wood there?
2: Yeah. Let's see half inch yeah probably close to one inch yeah or yeah yeah it, it seems like it's got enough on the quarter inch on the sides yeah 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 poplar yeah. right yeah it got the green nice green tone nice. yes.
1: this, man this crew is professional so yeah one inch by one inch now <laughs> for the gold how long is that piece of wood
2: four i would have to say about four to four and a half yeah
1: Five, close enough. Five, yeah, I was going to say, it's foreshortening, it's tough.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, the depth perspective. Nice drill press.
0: Imagine a kind of uh, roughly one by one by four, so a kind of long rectangle. uh, And then Taylor's drilling a hole down through the long end of the center, so from the top.
2: uh, As it's being clamped down on a vise. Got to be safe.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, image number three okay, any, anything looking interesting here
2: we've got uh, well imagine oh. taking those dowels and then mm-hmm. cutting them uh, not not in half right. but kind of cutting maybe a third yeah off the, the top of it essentially so if you looked at it from the end it wouldn't be a complete circle it would be two thirds of a circle Yeah,
0: yeah it's almost and like a keyed on one side yeah exactly image number four okay okay so the, now that dowel is being pushed into the square rectangles pieces that we have and we are seeing that there's then this room for this kind of small sliver almost like a, a piece of a moon or something mm-hmm. <clears throat> that could go down inside it but we don't know So the, the challenge is breathing hmm, not sure yet Oh
2: yeah, the next one has got uh-huh. uh, so take that block um, with that that uh, half-inch hole drilled through it and put a notch in it in which uh, you know one one side of the notch is forty-five degrees and the other side of the notch is straight up. Yes, and that dowel fits just right. It, it fits right into the. It ends flush with the flat side of the notch. I think.
0: I think I know what it is.
2: I think I know what it is too. Oh,
0: okay, as a, as the guest, you
2: always get to go first. I, well, it's you know like a whistle. Yes, the same uh, thing. You yep. know, like I remember seeing some of these when I was like a kid, yep. and it'd be at like a train museum or something. Yep. And yeah. there's yeah. this block of whistle, this this wooden block. Yep. And so, so I assume like the three different dowels were testing maybe different holes oh, uh, uh-huh. uh-huh. for getting a different pitch, maybe. Yeah, like, yeah. Like you have a different read for some brass instruments or some instruments
1: in general yep y'all are right on the money take that the last thing is just a uh, a little link to it actually playing yep
0: whistle number one it's a very satisfying sound
2: <laughs> very choo-choo sound yeah
0: very choo-choo
1: that's cool taylor yeah that as i'm sure the. Yeah. K was running into as well. Uh, man, the end of the semester is hard. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so oh my goodness! I was, I just kept on casting around for an idea, like what's something that you can actually get done and spend some time with prototypes, you know, and instead yeah. of just like, uh, you know, seat of my pants, barely, uh, barely getting there. So I kept it, a uh, kept it simple and uh, crafty. I just did a, What
0: is it, was- Taylor, that makes the? The second one seemed to be a higher pitch. What is it that makes it a higher pitch?
1: Yeah, so I was looking up examples on um, instructables and stuff for how to build something like this, and it's funny how poorly some of those things are described. Mm -hmm. So one Mm -hmm. of the things that really confused me about those whistles, I think most of the important stuff happens just in the last inch of the whistle, but then the reason why they're so long is you drill way down into the length of it to make a chamber and then think about blowing over the top of that kind of like you blow over a bottle. So I think part of it would be how deep that cylindrical chamber is. And then you come in there and interrupt the chamber at an angle and then restrict your breath over the top of the shaved dowel. So um, you're blowing kind of like a um, a ribbon of air. And then that ribbon needs to strike an acute angle and be diverted so that you get sort of the bottle-blowing effect, I think. Now, uh-huh. we, there's only one mechanical, or there's only one uh, actual engineer on this podcast right now, so I'll defer to her, <laughs> but the um, <laughs> that was my general kind of university of bullshit answer. Um, but when I first made it, I put it all together based on the instructions and blew it, and it just didn't do anything. And so then, you know, the trick was to make a couple of them, and then you take this dowel, and so one of the pictures you saw was cutting a couple different lengths of dowel and then sanding them to different degrees. And then you'd put it in there and move it ever so slightly. And, you know, you'd be able to get the whistle to come up.
0: Yeah. Um, That's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun. Just, it's, it's a thing I need to come up with a term for, it, but I talk to my students a lot about this, where you assign something and then they'd come and show it to you and say, well, if I do this, will it work? And you say, I mean, I don't know, like, well just do it. Like (laughs) this is between you and physics at this point. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, so I just, um, I think the main trick I figured out was when you stick the dowel in, very small manipulations would make it work or not work. Um, hmm. The other funny thing too was that I kept testing it with my finger over the notch, and that would always ruin it. So it took me a long time to like, realize you had to hold it far away. Um, but then I wrapped the little dowels in tape so that I could get them wedged in there, and then I'd make very slight adjustments with a screwdriver until I liked it and then I could glue it in place um, without having to like take it in and out because taking it out and putting it back in would cause it to fail. Um, yeah. So it was a really satisfying little project and I, I, I'd been making some really abstract stuff last episode. Uh, so this time it was fun just to get like super grandpa crafty on it.
0: Yeah. It's it's, it's the immediacy of it is so
2: cool. It's just like a whistle. You have a thing. Yep, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah. Th- a real, a real thing,
1: a thing to Because all my students were supposed to be working in the wood shop. And uh, and so when I was up there making it, I I could see all the ones working that um, were really behind. And I just, we we like pretended not to Uh make eye contact with each other. (laughs) Uh Uh (laughs) You didn't see me, I didn't see you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, satisfying. So. but I'm, I'm super enthusiastic about uh, Kay's Cliffhanger. I can't wait to see that thing uh, printed out and oh, yeah. sticking out of your mouth.
2: Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing is it's like we all, I mean, we could have all made some sort of like, well, you two were more musically inclined, but yeah. you, I guess you could have like this musical gourd that I mean. Yeah. I have yeah. no idea what it's going to sound like Like breathing out of it. It's going to be interesting. See if it noises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. That's cool. It'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, it could almost be corded, like different holes in different chambers. I wonder. It'd be like a clarinet or something. That'd be cool.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. A in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that, That's maybe the the uh, open source community can try to <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> do that.
0: That would be cool. Like a yeah. like a how like go nuts. Like how far can you take this? I mean, typically those things happen with like a two by four or something that's like a very basic material. Oh, yeah. But something that is like of unknown (laughs) like possibility just seems really like an
1: interesting idea, interesting concept. Oh, man. Great work, everybody. Those projects were awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. You can find photos of our finished projects over at projects.opposablepodcast.com. We also have links to our show notes and we post cool stuff to our Instagram account, which is opposable underscore podcast.
1: Yeah, and our, our web intern finally um, finally did some good updates on the project site. So oh, sh- good. Shout good. out to, um, um, I got to cool. come up with a nom de plume for that. But yeah, yeah, Barry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We'd like to send you an opposable thumb sticker if you share an episode on social media or on, rate us on iTunes or some other cool thing. To let us know that you've shared the podcast, we'll mail you a sticker. Just contact us on our Instagram at opposable underscore podcast or at our email, which is opposable podcast at gmail.com we'd like to give a shout out to wesley ellis charlie mcbride adam Mayer, deb chatra blondie hacks nick Kantar, walter katundu and david bellhorn they're our top patreon supporters if you'd like to join them in our league of patreon supporter badasses please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment free experience for everyone regardless of race gender age sexual orientation disability physical appearance body size knowledge of subject matter or religion or lack thereof We actively support an inclusive environment and we want you to be a part of it. Dear guest, Kay, do you have anything that you wanted to share with folks? The things that are inspiring you, things that helps you get through the project, software, music, uh, media, joyous tools?
2: Like I said, I use Rhino and Grasshopper. I started using this uh, plugin for Grasshopper called Cocoon, which was pretty amazing. Great name. Uh, It really helped like kind of easily bring all these forms together into one printable object. And so I'm really curious to, to really kind of dive more into that. Uh, but I mean, other than like, other than that, I've re- like I don't have any major things going on besides wrapping up a crazy six months. I will say we've been, we've been talking like a, the, the uh, Franconia sculpture park has come up a bit in the the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so this summer of 2020, uh, I'm going to be co directing again the hot metal program at uh, the Sculpture Park. So if that is something you're interested in, then you can uh, look it up at the Franconia Sculpture Park website.
0: Okay, you've also been listening to some music. Is that right?
2: Been really getting into like female rappers, uh, you know, Janelle Monet, Lizzo, Beyonce. Uh, it's just Getting, getting some good energy and good vibes back, uh, you know into my studio practice that's cool
0: so. yeah cool i've been really listening to this band um liturgy which is this weird like arty black metal band which i'm liking a lot so that's cool it's nice to, new new music i'm always shocked still today as an adult how much it like motivates me or how much it like really like inst- like Mm, kind of stirs up my create like creativity and curiosity. Yeah. It's really great.
2: You know, I really go through these phases with music, and it does definitely kind of influence my work. And so I'm curious to see where where this takes my work.
1: Totally. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> yeah. I feel like I had a Bob Dylan phase, and then I had <laughs> cool. a sort of like jam band electronica phase. <laughs> we'll see see where it goes.
1: Oh man, I've just been a uh, impeachment uh, dribble wall to wall and i really need to get away from Ooh. it stressing me out Ooh. yeah so i'm gonna so let, stressful yeah uh, take a look at your uh, female rapper list and be be a convert oh yeah totally <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally
0: Taylor, do you have anything
1: else oh man that's just it's been all about the end of the semester so yeah. for any of my students listening great job everybody um and then on a happy note i was so um Distracted that I think I wrote down the beginning of the winter term as the beginning of the spring semester. And even though I've worked at the same place for eight years, I just realized I had doubled the amount of winter break I thought I had. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. Um, yeah, and then mostly, yeah, Kay and uh, uh, J. Stephen Lee and I are going to work on an, an as yet undefined project. We got a little bit of grant money from Columbia College. Um, so that's something coming down the pipe I'm really excited about. I got to start. Bug and K in earnest pretty much right after we're done here.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, we got to get on Yeah, it. for sure.
0: Cool. I got a, a couple quick things. Um, one of them is an article uh, from the Creative Independent. This was sent to me by a listener and possible future guest, Serena Suckey. Um, that article is called How to Work Within Power Structures That Don't Work for You, A Guide for Making Art Under the Constraints of Capitalism, written by uh and ha- hey young with illustrations by olivia fields it's a really great like very easy to read really interesting kind of examination of how if you decide to call yourself an artist how does that function in your in like most people's lives in 2019 uh it's, it's on the creative independent we'll link to it in show notes um i'll just read one quick paragraph from it the reality of the artist's life is less romantic creating art is work Attending shows, doing studio visits, and sending emails that multiply like Hydra's is work. The spreadsheets of deadlines, proliferation of to-do lists, and the constant need for up-to-date images is work. Even this article that sat in the back of my mind as the guilt piled up for a week past my self-imposed deadline is work. That's just a little taste of it. It's not super long. It's very readable. It's really good. Um, Angela Sheehan is a person I, I don't know, but I did um, see their talk at the Hackaday Supercon. And... Um, she has a really her talk was a really great um really great investigation of her diving into the wearable space and kind of understanding prototyping as a concept and then also like the many ways that things can fail and go wrong and and not just technically fail but like ways that like you can lose that assuredness of yourself even through prototyping and just be like what am i doing you know like (laughs) um (laughs) yeah so i'll I'll link to her talk and show notes it's um I think her talk is, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, here we go. It's um, building whimsical wearables, leveling up through playful prototyping. So it's um quite good. It's not, not super long. It's maybe 30 minutes. All right. I think we've entered the most interesting, fun phase of the podcast where our guest gets to tell us what our next challenge is.
2: Uh, so the word that I am thinking of is retrograde. Oh, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Oh my gosh. We've got so much of that going on in the in life right now
2: yeah I, I just I just i feel like I had a full week of it uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so like I would go two steps forward and one step back. One reason I like the word is because it just feels like for heavy things you know like large things
1: yeah. yeah I'm super excited, yeah, that's a great challenge
0: okay is there um is there any any links to or to work peop- you would like to share so people can check uh, out oh sure
2: i well my my website is. K Dart. That's just the letter K D A R T T dot com. And uh, it, it, if you're interested to see my most up to date things, uh, it's best to check my Instagram at KMK Dart.
0: Awesome. We
2: did it. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. It was great.
0: Okay, your work is so cool. I'm really going to dive into this like this idea of spinning molten metal. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs>
2: so I'm,
1: I'm pretty stoked uh, to check that out.
2: If you have the opportunity to give it a try, you should.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's
2: really cool. That's
1: cool. Yeah, the I was helping to pour one of the molds, and I was standing on a um, cinder block uh, <laughs> with a considerably shorter shorter buddy of mine trying to squeak a uh, metal into that thing. So it's it's. It's it's fun uh, Rob you got to get involved in this community it's so great it's so sweaty oh, no, I and do. um everybody gets to know each other in a like it's I know you're used to working on a computer all day and it's a really wonderful mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, break from that so we got we got to get you ha- in it
0: Taylor how will, how will I talk about how insufficient my keyboard is <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dvorak mm. Segway.